grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. This is God's morning. We are here as people claimed by the love of God to worship God. So let us be called together in worship as we read responsively from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. People of God, we know that we live in a world that's made fragile by greed and hunger for power and violence. So we come today as a voice, not just for ourselves, but for all of humanity. Let's go into confession for ourselves and for people of all the world together. Almighty God, in love you spread good gifts before us more than we need or deserve. You feed, heal, teach, and save us. We confess that we always want more, that we never share as freely as you give. We resent what we lack and are jealous of neighbors. We misuse what you intend for good. God, forgive our stubborn greed and our destructiveness. In mercy, help us to take such pleasure in your goodness that we will always be thanking you. Through Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Here is now, God, as we lift up our personal prayers of confession.
Amen. Our Lord is a God of generosity and abundance, overflowing with grace and forgiveness. And because of that, I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's, as we prepare ourselves to greet each other, we want to remind you that our fifth grade and younger are going to meet their Sunday school leaders in the back. But now let's turn and greet one another with a good morning and God bless. It's always important to me that you know what's going on so that you have the opportunity to participate. So we take a few moments in our worship life together to recognize our family life together. So just a couple of things. Number one, you might notice that I'm wearing a name tag. Yes, I know who I am. And you might know my name. It's there in the bulletin, but your names are not in the bulletin. So we're encouraging everyone as you come into worship every Sunday to take just a moment to fill out one of these name tags. And in that way, you can get to know other people's names. Make sense to everybody? Good. We are continuing to receive dedications for our new hymn books that all of you were using so successfully, by the way. I was really pleased to see that. Yes, last week I had to teach folks to remember how to use the hymn books again, and it worked very well. So uh, we will be putting Bibles in the pews uh, later on this month, and you still have an opportunity to dedicate a hymn book or a Bible or 50 of them to someone that you love, maybe even to dedicate to the worship of the Lord. And you can find out more about doing that at the table outside. We still have all of the old hymn books and Bibles, and some of you would like to have the ones that you gave about 30 years ago now as a dedication. All of them are in the Fellowship Center, and you're encouraged to go over to the Fellowship Center and take the ones that you dedicated. Or if you didn't dedicate them, feel free to take one or both anyway. We would like to have them distributed among the congregation. Those that are not taken will be given later on to a church that needs them. This coming Saturday, we'll send a group down to Mexico to work with a family and building a home for that family. If you'd like to experience and express in a hands-on way the love of Christ, that's a great opportunity to do that. You can go online and email uh, Patrick Singer, and he'll tell you more about that. The last Sunday of the month, October 29th, is our Reformation Sunday, but it's also a Sunday where we're going to celebrate All Hallows' Eve, which is known as Halloween in some places. We're having a trunk or treat. What that means is there are going to be a bunch of cars out in the parking lot by the upper uh, playground. The trunks are going to be decorated. You can come around uh, in your costume with your little bag and say trunk or treat and you'll get a treat. You do not have to be under the age of say 12 or 15 to do that. You might just want to come and see all the wonderful decorations and enjoy all the children who are going there for the candy. So we'll have a shorter service that day, Juan, so I can get there first. Is that all right with you? Good, good. Have to clear these things with our director of worship beforehand. I'm going to put on a different hat now and 
speak for just a moment about a new season in the life of the church that many of us have experienced before, and that is the season of stewardship. I want to give you a thought. I want to give you thoughts all the time, but here's one thought. It's three words. It comes in a phrase. We, the church. We, the church. Will you say that with me? We, the church. Excellent job. When I was a little boy, my mom and dad taught me a cool little thing to do with my hands, probably while I was getting squirrely during a sermon one Sunday morning. They taught me to take my hands, to put them together like this, and then to fold them together and to hold up my index fingers. Do some of you remember what doing that's all about? Isn't that cool? Yes. Okay. I want you all to take your hands, fold them together like this, hold them down. I don't care if you have arthritis, give it a shot. Okay. And then put, put your fingers up. Do you know what this is? This is the church and this is the steeple. You remember the rest of it? Open the church and there's all the people. The kingdom is coming soon. We did it. This is good. <laughs> Say it with me again. We, the church. That simple phrase is our theme for this year's season of thinking deeply about how it is that God calls each one of us, we, the church, to make the church happen. It's the people inside who are the church. We, the church, are called to give our time in service to the Lord and in service to humanity. We, the church, are called to give our gifts and abilities and talents in service to the Lord and in service to humanity. We, the church, are called to give of all of our resources, including financial ones, in service to the Lord and in service to humanity. The church doesn't happen just by itself. It exists only because we, the church, make it happen. Say it again, we, the church. Starting this week, you're going to be receiving some special emails and you'll see in our other communications and you'll hear on Sunday mornings from this pulpit that phrase, a phrase that calls us to remember that we are the church. The church happens when everyone is part of it, when everyone gives and participates. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter how financially able or sometimes financially unable, the church happens as we make it happen. The church happens when we, the church, those who are gathered in person here in this sanctuary, make it happen. The church happens when those who gather online continue to give and make it happen. We, the church. There is no other church. There isn't somebody else who's going to make it happen. There's only us. There's only we, the church. Say it one more time. We, the church. Keep saying that. And remember that we have a holy calling to serve the Lord and others. It's a very opportune time then for us to think about our offerings to God. I'll be speaking a bit more about that later, but don't leave. Don't leave. Right now, you have an opportunity in a special way to be the church. Will the ushers please come and wait upon us to receive our morning offerings? God bless.
Please be seated. Friends, we come to a time now where we have an opportunity and a privilege to come to God in prayer, to have a conversation. And in that conversation, my hope is that you'll be able to lay aside all the things that trouble you and all of the things that you fear and all the things that distract you and be present to God as God is present with us. Let's go to God in prayer. Abundant God, you who creates the deserts and knows each and every grain of sand, you who stands on the edge of eternity and casts out enough stars to blanket the night and light the way for even the most weary traveler, you who have set no limits, no boundaries, no walls or gates to surround our most precious treasure, your love and our ability to love each other. Lord, we behold your generosity and honestly it comforts and moves us. And we would humbly ask, dear Lord, that it also shape us, that it shapes and refines our view of how you would have us be generous, how giving of ourselves molds us into your image and in your divine economy, we are enriched and nourished by the giving. God, let us fearlessly live for you and for others. Help us to break the mirrors that hold our gaze solely on ourselves. Shatter them with your will and melt the shards with the fire of your purpose. Let us finally and emphatically declare we are yours. For we do not live for, to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live for you, and if we die, we die to you. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are yours. May the wide arms of your mercy, dear God, embrace all the world and remind us that all your children, all of us, that we are a sacred family, that we are each of us born from the holy waters of your intention, and our hearts will break until we find each and every lost and hurting brother and sister. And, and not, Lord, we would have it no other way. We would not be blind or hardened or dismissive of the pain of others. We know that indifference is a killer of the soul. And Lord of peace, we hear the drums of war beating relentlessly around the world the ongoing tragedies that are happening in the Ukraine, the tragic air that oppresses and weighs down our brothers and sisters in Israel and in Palestine and in that region, the grief, the rhythm of this deadly song is a price too high to comprehend. For all of those in those places, who will never fulfill their destiny in medicine or art or architecture, music or civil leadership. They will never teach or serve or engineer. Poems that will never be written and lullabies that will never be sung. For all of those people in those places of war, whose future kindness, their joy, their sorrows, their creativity, their humor, we will never know for each precious life ripped from our future and robbed of theirs, we simply sit and grieve with you and we pray that your tears will renew our commitment to peace. Oh God, let us run with wild abandon towards the places you send us. Let us lift our hands in eager praise when we hear the music of your call. And let us give ourselves away in your likeness so that in the giving others may finally know the joy of knowing you, knowing you as Father and knowing you as Son and knowing you as Holy Spirit, knowing you as the one who taught us when to pray, to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. kingdom and you will see the things that'll last for eternity come and lay up your treasures in heaven oh people lay up your treasures in glory where nothing in this world can take them away oh listen people hear the master say come and lay up your treasures in heaven oh people lay up your treasures in glory People trust in their silver and gold. They put their faith in the wealth they hold. But fortunes will fade and kingdoms fall. So put your trust in the Lord of all. Won't you lay up your treasures in heaven? Oh, people, lay up your treasures in glory. from the book of 2nd Chronicles. Now when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke down the pillars and hewed down the sacred poles, pulled down the high places and the altars throughout all Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh until they had destroyed them all. Then all the people of Israel returned to their cities, each to their individual properties. Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and of the Levites, division by division, everyone according to his service. The priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and offerings of well-being to minister in the gates of the camp of the Lord and to give thanks and praise. The contribution of the king from his own possessions was for the burnt offerings, the burnt offerings of morning and evening, and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the appointed festivals, as it is written in the law of the Lord. He commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites, so they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the word spread, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and all of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. 
the people of Israel and Judah who lived in the cities of Judah also brought in the tithe of cattle and sheep and the tithe of dedicated things that had been consecrated to the Lord their God and laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to pile the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and the officials came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites, Levites about the heaps. Since they began to bring the contributions into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty to spare. For the Lord has blessed his people so that we have this great supply left over. And now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. I'd like to invite each one of you now in your minds to zoom out, as it were, from where you are and where we are, and let's take a look at ourselves from further away. And let's note what it is that we are doing right now. We are worshiping God. Whether we're here in the sanctuary or somewhere else but worshiping online, we are all here hearing from God, speaking to God, and in that process, our souls are being fed, and our souls are being formed, formed more and more into the shape of Jesus Christ. There are lots of ways that worship helps us do that, and so throughout this fall season, we are taking a look at the various pieces and parts, the elements, if you will, of worship so that we can remember why we are doing this thing that we do. Last week we talked a little bit about all of the physical things of the world that help us to worship. Beautiful stained glass and hymn books and music, all of those things help to feed us. I was fed just a moment ago with that beautiful, beautiful bass. I couldn't help but kind of sing it along. Lay up your treasures in heaven, right? And by the way, by the way, you need to know, Malachi Marshall is our new bass section leader and soloist. Malachi and I met a few weeks ago, and we decided that we're related to each other because we have the same hair pattern, kind of, <laughs> right? Yeah, so there we are. Anyhow, Malachi, great to have you with us, brother. All of the things that we do in worship are meant for us to hear necessary things from God and to say necessary things to God, and as I said before, and we'll keep saying to shape us, to form us, to make us into people more like Jesus so that the rest of the hours of the week we can live like him. Today we're going to talk about a part of worship that may not be as enjoyable as hearing the choir sing, but is every bit as important. We're going to talk about the offering. The offering. 
I was with some folks a couple nights ago from the church, and I warned them that we'd be talking about money today, but they still showed up. (laughs) It's a sign of a true Christian. Notice the title of this sermon, Putting Your Money Where It Belongs. Maybe you all showed up because you read the sermon title in Friday's email blast and you expected to hear some advice from on high about the best new investment opportunities available, right? Well, all I know can be contained in one phrase, all I know about money management. It is this, take your money, put it in a sock and hide it under the mattress. That's about all that I know, right? Where should we put our money? Where it belongs? Maybe we should listen to God for a moment about investment advice. Last week, some of you may have gotten the same telephone call that I got several times. I didn't recognize the number when the call came, and so I did not pick up the phone, but the caller left a message, and I listened to the message. The message went something like this. Hi, I'm Brian. I've been reviewing your financial records recently, and there are some things we should talk about. No, I don't think so. Number one, there is nobody named Brian who's in charge of my financial life. Number two, as much as possible, I keep my financial life away from any place where somebody like Brian might have access to it. And so I just hung up. But obviously, somebody somewhere wants someone to call them up and say, I'm going to tell you what to do with your money. So let's try this out. Hi, I'm Jack. (laughs) And what I want to tell you about is what we believe God says about what to do with our money. To help us move into that topic, we're going to look at a story from Second Chronicles. Now, in my mind, even though I've been in pastoral work for many, many decades now, I don't think I've ever had anyone say to me that their favorite book of the Bible is Second Chronicles, or even First Chronicles for that matter, right? But the Chronicles tell us a very, very important history about the Jews. This particular passage that we read came from the reign of King Hezekiah, king of the Jews. We know about King David. We know about King Solomon, but not as many people have ever paid attention to Hezekiah. Hezekiah reigned over the southern empire of Israel called Judah from about the year 720 or so until about 680 or so. To help put that better in historical perspective, Hezekiah reigned during the time that the northern part of Israel that was called Israel proper was being attacked by the Syrian empire and eventually overrun by the Assyrian empire. Some of Hezekiah's contemporaries were people that you do know, people like Isaiah and Micah. Hezekiah was noted for being a good king because he was a king who paid attention to Israel's history and especially paid attention to Israel's God. You see, in the centuries before Hezekiah's time, the people had forgotten who their God was. They had forgotten what their calling in life was. They had forgotten that they were meant to be a light to the nations. In fact, they had started worshiping all the other gods of all the other nations. And that was seen as the primary reason that Israel was going down the tubes. And so Hezekiah called for all the people to destroy the places of worship, to destroy the altars of worship of the pagan gods. That's where the story starts. 
They eliminate all the vestiges of the worship of pagan gods, and then they reinstitute the worship of the one true God, the God who had delivered them from slavery, the God who had taken them through the wilderness, the God who had given them this new land to live in, the God who had blessed them. The way that Hezekiah led the people in restoring the heart of the people, and not just in their worship, but restoring their life together, was to call them to restore worship in the temple and to restore Israel's historic emphasis on caring for everyone within the community of faith. And the only way that worship could be restored, the only way that the religious life of the people could be restored, not just in their worship, but in their morality, in their ethics, in their life together, was for them to come together to bring their tithes, their offerings, their gifts, so that Hezekiah could reinstitute the priesthood and reinstitute the worship in the temple and reinstitute the offerings and the gifts that supported those who were less fortunate. The way that this is discussed in this one small passage that's part of a much larger story is that Hezekiah called the people to bring in the first fruits of all that they had so that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord so that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. The discussion is about what the priests are going to do. The priests are going to remind the people about what they are meant to do, how they are meant to live, how it is that God designed us so that we can live successfully, not disastrously. We see in the world every day, where people are living disastrously together, where war breaks out because people have not learned to live the way the Lord has taught us. The reason that Hezekiah instituted all of these reforms, the reason that he called the people to come together to give of themselves was so that they could be revived in their spirits, in their souls, so that they could return to the true God, so that they could reorder their whole society according to the way that God had taught them to live. They were called to worship rightly so that they could live rightly ethically, morally, with justice, with community, strengthening the nation by taking care of everyone. And what it required was the offerings of the people. It required not just the people's financial resources. It required the people themselves giving themselves to this God, giving themselves to this life to which God had called them. Now, I think that one of the people who well knew the story about Hezekiah and the great reform movement that swept through Judah was a teacher who came later, about 700 years later, a teacher named Jesus. A teacher who was doing the same thing that Hezekiah was trying to do, and that was to focus people back on their true God and to help people learn how to live as they were meant to live. In his Sermon on the Mount, in a portion of Scripture that I suspect all of you are more familiar with, Jesus gives us some true financial advice about where to put our money. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus says. Invest in the things of God. Invest in the places where God is acting here and now. The things of this world will eventually be eaten away by moth and rust or stolen by thieves. So put things where they're going to make a difference. I used to wonder about whether or not it would be possible actually to take some of my treasure and put it in heaven. It should be safe in heaven, right? Everything is the way it is meant to be in heaven. That's where my money should be safe. But Jesus was not thinking about putting your money somewhere else. 
Because as far as Jesus was concerned, heaven started right here, right now. Heaven, as far as the Scriptures are concerned, is not so much just a place to which we go when we die. Heaven is a state of being where God exists and where people are in alignment with God and where the things that God wants for us are things like love, compassion, justice, mercy, community. That's where heaven is where those things happen. And so when Jesus calls us to put our treasure in heaven, He's calling us to invest in the things that make for what heaven actually is. Last week, I read an article that told me something I did not know. It told me something I never would have guessed. Some of you may already know this. But I learned that Costco sells gold bars. Did you know that? That's amazing. Costco is where you go to get another 500 rolls of toilet paper. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what Costco's for? You know, 100 pounds of hamburger for this week, whatever. Costco sells gold bars. And what I learned was that Costco normally sells them online. They go online and they sell out almost immediately. Why? Why? It's because we think that this yellow, soft metal has some value to it and that it's going to hold that value. And that if we have some of those bars, the more the better, that everything's going to go well with us. We want stability. We want lasting value. We want to protect our wealth from moth and rust. And Costco's going to help you do it. (laughs) Now, I realized that a few years ago during the pandemic, we laid up our treasures not in gold bars, but in those hundreds and hundreds of rolls of toilet paper, right? (laughs) Oh, well. Hezekiah... And Jesus taught us that we must get our priorities straight. We must get them right. We must invest first in the things of God which have to do with others, which have to do with the way that God has taught us to live. We need that reminder not just when we flip through the pages of the Bible and come upon Second Chronicles or upon Matthew. We need that reminder at least once a week. And that is why we have an offering in worship. Now, I know that you all thought that the reason that we have an offering in worship is so that the ushers can take your money so that the church can function. And there's a sense in which that's true. But, but let's be honest, most of us don't contribute most of our financial offerings anymore through what we put in the plate. We have the bank automatically deduct it from our checking account. And only occasionally do we remember that we've even given anything to the church. We go online with a QR code and charge it to a credit card. And only occasionally remember that we're giving something to God. But you and I need to remember more often than that. And we need to know more deeply than that what offering is all about. And so we always receive an offering. That language is important. When I was a young pastor, I used to say, the ushers will now come forward to take our offering. Well, the ushers don't take it. I've never seen an usher with a gun in his hand saying, give me your offering. (laughs) They simply wait upon us and give us the opportunity to give an offering. Why? Well, the reason is because we need to learn what offering teaches us. Not just offerings of money, 
but offerings of everything that God calls us to give, which pretty much is everything, right? When we give an offering, whether it's an offering of money, an offering of time, an offering of ability, we acknowledge that it doesn't belong to us. A good friend of mine used to be fond of saying that God has plenty of money. It just so happens that some of it is currently in your pocket. God has given us everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we will be. Offering reminds us from where it all comes. Offering reminds us that God has entrusted it all to our care, and in our proper stewardship, we give some of it back for the particular purposes of God in the world, for the sake of the ministry of the church, for the sake of taking care of other people. Some of it we get to keep for ourselves so that we can minister to ourselves, (laughs) so that we can be fed and clothed and nurtured. But the first part is given to his purposes. Whether you come down front to put your envelope in the basket or whether you go online, no matter how you serve, no matter how you give, we do this because it's teaching us to live an entire life that is based on using our resources for God's purpose in the world. When we offer to God, we are recalibrating our hearts, making sure that they're in alignment with the right goals. When we offer to God, we are breaking the power of whatever it is that we're giving away, the power that it has over us. It's a common image in our culture of the the tight-fisted money miser who cannot let go because he thinks his life is in that money but that's not where life is. When we let go of that which we think we need, we open our our hands and our hearts and our eyes to receive from the one who gives it all. And yes, in that process, in that process, our hearts begin to change and the purposes of God actually begin to happen in the world. Yes, yes. The church, we, the people, need resources so that we can keep telling people about Jesus and so that we can keep showing people how Jesus means for all of us to live in the world so that we can take care of those who are not able to take care of themselves. All of those things happen because of our offering. And to the extent that we do not give things up to the purposes of God, those things do not happen. I have to tell you that at 5 o'clock this morning when I was thinking about this sermon a little bit more, the idea popped into my head that we should take another offering in worship. We've already received one. Maybe now would be a good time to receive another one. Are the ushers still here? I know, that throw everybody off. <laughs> we won't do that. But we will ask God. We will ask God in this single act of worship that we engage every week to remind us of the source of all that we have, to encourage us to give it all to God's purpose, whether that's helping take care of us or taking care of each other or taking care of God's ministry in the world. All that I ask is that in this act of offering in worship, that you understand, that you claim, that you lay hold of God's promise to transform you into a person like Jesus who gave it all. Amen. So we just let the words of the preached word rest in our souls for a moment, not to jump too quickly away from those, that inspiration. 
and we stand together and affirm our faith. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. For by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not our own doing. It is the gift of God, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We the church. That was pathetic. We the church. Are blessed by God. To share back with God. To share with others. So that all will be blessed. 
Now may the blessings of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.